0: Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is David Deal. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Two ways you can interact with us here on the program, 201 939 4513. We'll get to your phone calls along the way. You could also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. A reminder Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the course of the season. So we're going to get you set for the Giants-Colts matchup coming up on Sunday. Before we get into that, Dave, let's briefly go over the injury report and the team practiced earlier today. Alec Ogletree did not practice. He is still going through concussion protocol. And then you had Odell Beckham, Russell Shepard, and Spencer yep. Pulley both on the side riding the stationary bike. Now, we were just in the locker room. Odell tour, talked to the uh, media. Tour
1: de East Rutherford. That's what you call that one. That is a nice term bike.
0: there. You've taken part in tour. No, 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 you, no, never, no. Never... I'd rather run, do okay. the cardio, do the, right.
1: the push-ups and the sit-ups than sit over there and. <laughs> Ride the bike and watch practice. It's one of the worst things in the
0: world. I can only imagine, yes. Especially for guys that embrace physicality. The last thing you want to be doing is you know, watching the meter yeah. and the mileage go up, uh, spinning the wheels of that bicycle. But those three players did watch from the side. Yep. Which David Deal did not have to experience during the course of his career. So, right now, as you look at the days, you look at the hours, the Giants are in all likelihood going to have to turn to the depth chart once again for guys to step up. And that really hasn't been anything new this season, Dave. We've seen this throughout the course of the year, but I think it's been encouraging with how some of the wide receivers have stepped up and performed during the course of this year.
1: Definitely. I mean, this is an opportunity for them as a team and as an organization to continue to evaluate this roster and see who are going to be the pieces of this football team moving forward in 2019 and and who isn't. And as a football player and as somebody out there as a professional – it's onus on you right now to go out and perform at the best of your ability because like we've always said, not only is this Giants organization evaluating you when adversity is hit, but every other organization is as well To because they're going to want to see what type of character player are you. And with two games left, even though the playoffs are out of the picture, what's your attitude like and what's your determination and how hard are you going to play in these games? So there is a lot to be said about that and – you know, we, we always talk about whenever you lose, don't lose the lesson. You know, this season didn't go the way that they thought it would. I think it didn't go the way that anybody thought that it would when you have games in your grip that you let loose. But having said that, these are experiences that you can bold on and move forward in and build momentum going into next season. You know, everybody remembers in 2007, you know, winning the Super Bowl in, in Arizona. You know, I remember. David Akers hitting an overtime oh, yeah. field goal off of the right post, boom, to knock us out of the playoffs. And those are the experiences that you never forget as a player, knowing that this upcoming season, you're not going to have any excuses that it's a new season, a new scheme, a new football team. It's going to come down to performance and productivity.
0: Well, and you hit on a very interesting point because the big question mark looming over the team right now over these next two weeks, and Pat Shermer's been asked it, the players have been asked it. All right, you know you're mathematically out yep. of it. Well, what the hell do you have to play for? And you know you just hit it right on the nose, Dave. In terms of this is a young roster, yeah, which I think people easily dismiss. There are so many guys on this roster that either experience football for the first time on the professional level or are wondering whether or not there's a future with this exactly. team, Or they've got to now put something good on film, to your point, to make themselves worthy of getting another contract elsewhere in free agency.
1: No question. And what week is it? It's week 16. What day was yesterday? Tuesday. What did every NFL organization and team have in their facility yesterday working out? Free agents. Tryouts. It is a constant competition, especially here towards the end of the season, for some of these teams that are mathematically – out of the playoffs to figure out, are there other guys that are on practice squads? Are there other guys that are going into games and playing well that we can see him fit our scheme? Those are the things that you never lose in in your scouting department and in your evaluation of your current roster and where you see the future of this roster going. And, And like you said, it's one thing. There's a big difference between being hurt and you're injured. Everybody's got something wrong with them. And if you're going out there and you're a leader of a football team, It's up to you to lead by example and finish the season. You know, people, I'm not going to talk about our organization, but Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know, what does he have to play for? They're mathematically out. He's the star of the team. Your head coach just got fired. There's a rift between you and the organization and apparently the relationship that you had with them. And once again, what does he have? A very young football team. What kind of example would you set for them that, okay, the season's not going anywhere past the playoffs. I'm not going to finish the season the way that we should, that what we preached, that what our coach said. Because when you start doing that, then what do you do? You start separating the locker room. Well, how come he's sitting out and I'm not sitting out? Because, well, Think about that. That's yeah. what starts to happen, and that's not the case right now, and that's not the attitude of Dave Gettleman or Pat Sherman. and you love that. You're getting paid to be a professional. You're a New York Giant. There is a tradition in the history much bigger than yourself And there is a pride factor that you should go out and play as hard and as fast and lay it on the line and make it as hard as possible for the Colts and the Cowboys to win these next two games. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. And if you are, like I said, if you are not going to re-injure yourself and it's not going to get worse, you better be out on the field.
0: There's a distinct difference between what the Panthers are doing with Cam versus what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. His
1: shoulder's not right. He's more of a risk to their football team with the injury to it since he had in October than it is to keep him out on the football field. That's the big difference.
0: And he'll likely need another procedure. Whereas Aaron Rodgers, yeah, you could say, you know what, let's shut him down. He's been banged up over the last few seasons. But he even came out and hit on what you just sold. He said, listen, I'm the leader of this team. There's rookies in this locker room. If I just hang it up for the final two games, then what does that say to them for when they get into a situation where exactly. they're proven veterans? And
1: to turn it around and turn tables towards Odell Beckham Jr. I have no problem saying this about him as a player, as a competitor. He lives for the game. He loves Sundays and being out on the field and performing and doing it at his best. It'd be one thing if he was out there practicing, or hardly practicing, and then participating in the games – It says a lot that he's not even practicing that he can't play in the game. He is a guy that wants to prove and earn every single dollar that he has. And once again, going back to that, he, I guarantee, knows it as well as Coach Shermer said it. If you're healthy, you're going to play, and he's going to do that himself.
0: You don't put your body through this as a professional unless there's some passion or love there. So I think most players can relate to that. You can certainly relate to that. And the other part of this conversation, and you alluded to this too, Dave, and I don't hear enough people talking about this. You can maybe say, hey, listen, every player doesn't necessarily owe the league everything because it depends on their various circumstances. But the team as a whole owes it to the competitive nature of the league to make sure that you go out there and you make sure the Colts earn their opportunity to perhaps get in the playoffs because they're competing for a wild card spot. And the same thing next week. If the Cowboys can't lock up the NFC East this week and they lose to the Bucs, then you owe it to the league and the competitive balance of the league to go out there and test Dallas in the final week of the season.
1: Being in the NFL is a privilege, not a right. And you never forget that, especially you should never forget it when you're getting a paycheck, when things are in adverse times. Think about it. A lot of people are based upon their jobs, what they do for a living. is based upon performance. It's based upon their productivity and being able to grade it. If you don't do well, you're not getting that same pay every single week. You're not getting that bonus. Number one, as a professional, you should respect that and realize how special and how blessed you are to play in the NFL and have this opportunity. But even bigger than that, When you put on that New York Giants helmet, when you put on that jersey, you're representing something bigger than yourself. You're representing the Wellington Maras, the Tishes. You're representing an organization and, more than anything, a fan base that sacrificed sitting there watching them in the rain up against the Titans. They sacrificed to pay money for those tickets because you are going to give them, hopefully, based upon the way that you play, A relief from what they get or the tough times that they have in their daily lives. That's what it's for. And that's why you should go out there and play that way. There's those that used to say, and we heard it in the previous weeks, oh, they they, they should tank for a draft pick. Tell me winning and beating the Bears two weeks ago, that Sunday wasn't awesome, that Monday and that week wasn't great for you. It changes everything. Winning vitamin W cures all.
0: Yeah. Well, and plus uh, the old conversation related to that, the old cliche, it's not necessarily where you pick, Dave. It's what you do with with it. Absolutely. That's what it comes down to. And we've had that conversation multiple times on this program, but the player's mindset, I don't think should be questioned with respect to whether or not it's worth going out there at this stage of the season. And you see that when you speak to the players and you see yeah. that just based on the energy that they've yep. shown over the last few weeks. There's, there's always people questioning when the team doesn't necessarily perform consistently well, do the guys have their heart in it and so forth. The Bears game is the perfect example. I mean, that game, yeah. you had a lead, you blew a lead, and then you still fought through overtime to close it out. And then we've seen that even with some other games. Why? Because you have so many players on this team right now that don't understand or don't know what it means to just go out there and go through... yeah. The motion, because when you're a rookie, you know you're not necessarily programmed to think about, well, should I be putting my body in perspective for what's going to happen the next no, season? No, you're just you're thinking playing about, for your job. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So it's a completely different mindset than maybe a 15-year veteran who's thinking more about, hey, I want to preserve my body so that I can last another year. Different the, mindset, different levels of players.
1: But the thing about that, with that veteran thinking about preserving himself for another year, what do teams start to think about that? Well, what's the durability going to be? Is he going to be able to sustain it for a longer season? Those are things that go through your mind, and it should go through your mind as a veteran because nothing is guaranteed to you. We've seen it time and time again
0: rosters fluctuate the game fluctuates and that's why there's so much parody in this league because instantaneous you go from the bottom to the top of the standings we've seen that time and time again 201-939-4513 is the telephone number hashtag giants chat on twitter before we open up the phone lines just a brief overview dave of the colts this is a team that we mentioned in the hunt still very much for that second wild card spot At eight and six on the season, you could argue they're probably playing the best football right now, and it's no surprise because their offensive line is relatively healthy. And it wasn't the case early in the season. A lot of people forget the fact that you know they lost starter Matt Slauson. Yep. Joe Haig was their starting right tackle. He got injured, so they brought in Braden Smith, their second-round pick, and we know about Quentin Nelson who just made the Pro Bowl, but also Andrew Luck clicking with the running game, the play of Eric Ebron. There's a lot to like and a lot to be concerned about with respect to this Colts team.
1: I I mean, you think of this football team that was at 1.1-5 and and has won seven of their last eight games. It says a lot about not only the way that they've been able to come together as a football team, Andrew Luck being healthy and offensively starting now to get Marlon Mack going, but you can see the impact that Frank Reich, has had oh, yeah. on that organization and you know when you watch them which I've watched them throughout this entire season you know it's amazing when you sit there and watch Andrew Luck who should be the comeback player of the year in the NFL based upon how he's playing but it's almost like he's not only playing at that level before he got injured he's almost playing better because he's being more efficient and not taking as many risks that he used to take with his arm with the football. So that is something that you have to think about as a football team. And the thing that they've done offensively, especially when I went back in this past week, watched the entire Dallas game, you know, Dallas was a penetrating front. You know that their front seven and their defensive line wants to be aggressive and they want to get upfield to try to create those negative plays to get in third and long situations to capitalize on their ability to make that pass rush on the edge. The thing that they did, not only in inside zones between the tackles, but they started running counter, pulling the backside tackle in Costanzo. They were running wham plays with their fullback and their tight end. What a wham play is, is say that three technique penetrates and he's going to get upfield. The guard's going to fake like he's going to block him, go up to the middle linebacker, and all of a sudden from the side, the tight end's going to kick him out. It creates a natural, a natural crease. In a defense, and that's something that they did and used that to their advantage up against the Dallas Cowboys. What did it create? Third and manageables, and they were 67% on third down last week.
0: Yeah, I mean, they took advantage of each and every one of their possessions. They didn't even have a lot of possessions in that game because Dallas had an opportunity right around the red zone, and Zeke fumbled the football, so that game could have changed on the in the blink of an eye, under those circumstances, but the the Colts were able to make some of the key defensive stops, and and that's the other facet, Dave, of this team that I don't think gets enough credit. The this defense. is a defense that it doesn't have a lot of household no. names, but Darius Leonard, who could very well go down as the steal of the twenty eighteen draft, he should. Think about what a this. season he's having! He
1: he is the one guy that you say that was a Pro Bowl snub. I mean, he leads the NFL his rookie season by tackles over Luke Kuechly by twenty two. Yeah, I mean, that's a wide (laughs) margin. That's a a two-game margin. (laughs) It's incredible. Not only that, but the other thing that they do, especially at home, which you know that this is going to be a loud, intense environment when you play in that dome in Indianapolis – they play fast and they swarm to the football. Like you said, there's no big household names that you're gonna see on there. There's no Dwight Freenies, there's no Mathis, there's no Sanders. Those, those aren't days the names. Are long gone. Those days are long gone. But what they have is a group that plays sound fundamental football. They don't make a lot of mistakes like they made early in the season during the one and five because they simplify things on the back end with the secondary, and they just play fast. And the biggest thing when you don't have those egos Nobody cares who gets the credit, and that's what you see when they're playing right now.
0: Yeah, Matt Eberflus, who's their defensive coordinator, he was actually on the Cowboys coaching staff, so he clearly has that type of feel and that type of intensity that he's brought to Indianapolis. And and to your point, they've got a lot of young guys that are great in terms of sidelines to to sideline coverage. Anthony Walker's another young linebacker. I mean, even... Danico Autry, Autry, who's a free yeah. agent they signed. He was with the Raiders. I mean, he's having a career year. He's got nine sacks yeah. to lead the team. It's amazing what they've done. They've brought in some low-level free agents, but everybody seems to fit in the system and is thriving overall.
1: I will, and, and the thing that you have to think about is, is think about this with a, a good thought process right now. Yeah. Before this season, even last year, what were people saying about Andrew Luck? He, he's probably not going to come back. Who knows if he, durability right. so. Question durability question yeah. marks, especially with that shoulder. Why did that shoulder happen? Because of an inefficient offensive line that they never addressed. They have three first rounders on that offensive line that they built from the inside out, starting with Quentin Nelson isn't it amazing what an offensive line will do to a non-mobile quarterback? Oh, man, it's unreal.
0: Unreal, Dave. I don't know. There's so many examples, or so few examples, I should say. It's very difficult to continue with that narrative. But you're right. You've got Quentin Elson. Yep. You've got Ryan Kelly, who was their first-round pick in 2016. Yep. So that was another guy, and Braden Smith. You know, he was a high second-round yes. pick, but it's the equivalency of a low first rounder. So those three guys are three of their five starters. But you know what, Anthony Costanzo is another guy. There's so a really, first rounder, I, I would three. say there's four. four almost, there's really yeah. four because Braden Smith I consider as an edge first rounder. Yep. So four draft picks they've utilized going back to 2011 to rebuild this offense. Well,
1: even no, I would say not even back to 2011, even more recently with the new two last year, the one, and then going back to Costanza, who came back healthy after having surgery past offseason. So clearly they knew that that was an, a vital, important part to their offense and to their future with Andrew Luck was protect him from the inside out, which they do. And this is a group right now offensively that has given up the least amount of sacks in the NFL, sixteen. Oh, and what do you know? What are they in third down? Number one in the NFL.
0: 48%. So it goes hand-in-hand hand yeah. because you got a good offensive line, you protect your quarterback, yep. and you also run the football, and that's the reason why they're such a high percentage on third down because, as you mentioned earlier, Dave, they're not facing third and 20s or no. third and 15s. Very manageable downs because of the efficiency of what's going on on first and second. Exactly. Seventh. So it goes hand-in-hand, hand. 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. He's David Deal. I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks so much for tuning in to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It is a reminder presented by Coors Light. You can download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. All right, let's open up the phone lines. We've got Jimmy in Rose Hill gets us started. Jimmy, what's happening?
2: Hey, guys. How are you?
0: Great. All right, Jimmy. What's on your mind?
2: Uh, you know, before I get started, uh, one thing I just want to say is I want to wish uh, you, Lance, Dave, and everybody there at the uh, at the station, uh, healthy, healthy, and happy New Year.
0: Same to you. Same um, to you. Thank you. Guys you
2: guys a great show. And, Appreciate that. Uh, I just wanted to extend extend uh, well wishes. Well, we echo your so,
0: sentiments. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, David, uh, Lance,
2: I got a question for you, basically on, on uh, a follow up to what I had yesterday, but. Um, what I would like to do is, is just say hello to David. Uh, Dave, I've had a season ticket since '62, saw that first Super Bowl, and anytime I get an opportunity to uh, to say hello and thanks to a, a former Giant Super Bowl winner, uh, I want to take that opportunity. So, thank you. Uh, thanks a lot. I talked to Dave. I talked to Jeff, and I want to say uh, and uh, extend those same wishes to you. So, thanks a lot.
1: Thank you very much. How can we help you? Uh, Well,
2: David, one quick question. When I was talking to Jeff about that Super Bowl, um, I mean, the the championship game in Green Bay, he told me a funny story about how uh, the week after the game, um, um, the kicker, whose name escapes me now, couldn't kick because his insole was was like uh, from kicking a rock. Did you have any physical um, uh, thing? From that game that, you know, that you had to deal with, say, in the week between that game or the two weeks between that game and ultimately the Super Bowl with all that that bitter cold. Any any story you could share?
1: Well, I actually played that game with the flu and was actually (laughs) throwing up on the sidelines, which is never a good thing. That classifies Yeah, but I had uh, for, it took me like two months to get feeling in my left top of my middle finger from like frostbite. I couldn't feel it from the weather. Yeah. It's well worth it. Well worth it. It's a nice way to get to put the ring on yeah, that Yeah, exactly. Right? Well worth it. But, yeah, that, that's the coldest okay, I've ever
2: Lance, been in my uh, life. In <laughs> the holiday season. Let's play a, a what if. I was on the phone with the guys yesterday, and uh, we were talking about the Eli situation. And after I, I, I got off the phone, um, uh, Russ kind of said that my point was really obvious and that the Giants, it's obvious that the Giants are going to draft the quarterback uh, it, uh in the uh, next year, it's specific, specifically in the first round. So let's play what if.
1: Um, That's not, not necessarily, necessarily guaranteed it's that it's that going to be. In...
2: Because I think Gettleman is the type of guy that is going to take the best athlete, uh, uh, you know, regardless of, of position. So let's say the Giants are, in fact, drafting, let's say, 10th. I'm going to, I want him to win the next two games. Let's say that puts him at, at ten. So now you're sitting there. And Dave is looking at his board, and there's a quarterback that you really, really, that the quarterback you really, really loved is gone. He's off. There's another quarterback that you like, but there's a, a speed rusher or, you know, a cornerback, any number of other positions, an offensive lineman, because um, I'm with David on that. Uh, there's an offensive lineman. I mean, will he? I don't think it's a given that he's going to draft that quarterback that he likes over these some other guys at other positions that he really, really loves. Uh, what do you think? Well, What's I would agree with that? you,
0: and, and I think Dave was going to say this. First of all, Jimmy, I mean, I, I wasn't privy to what you talked about yeah, with the guys I, yesterday, but I, I'm in agreement with Dave. I don't think anybody should go under the assumption right now that even though Eli Manning's getting towards the end of his career and they didn't draft a quarterback last year, that they're definitely going to utilize their the first-round first, exactly. pick I'm not for either. a quarterback. I, I, I don't think that that's a fair narrative, and I think you also need to look at – The fact that what Dave Gettleman did in Carolina, you know, he used high picks and he went after other positions. I'm not saying they needed a quarterback that had camp, but he took Christian McCaffrey. He took defensive linemen high. He waited on offensive linemen sometimes for the fourth round. You know, you look at Andrew Norwell. I mean, that was a guy that was undrafted. Undrafted, So, with his rationale and the Giants' philosophy of best player available, I I don't think you should run with the mindset that they're definitely going to go after a quarterback, even if they have a top 10 pick. So to answer your question, I think if there's a pass rusher there, and let's say they move on from Olivier Vernon, or even if they don't move on from Olivier yeah. Vernon, you could argue they need a pass rusher right now, and they could easily go after that position in the top ten. Uh,
2: uh, okay, um, you know, fair enough. My point, just to, to uh, clarify for you guys, my point was that that um, you know I appreciate everything that Eli has done and and the Super Bowls, but I think clearly though we are at a tipping point. And the franchise is going to have to, you know, address that position and get Eli's uh, uh, ultimate replacement in here. I don't I don't doubt that he's going to be the starting quarterback in 2019. But what about 2020? And I don't Yeah, you've got to, to worry old, about or, the transition you know, of fantasy. who's going to take over. You you've yeah. got to get that replacement, I think, on on if for no other reason than financial reasons. I mean, what if Eli, you know, then... Uh, um, uh, Paul, he said, "Well, you know, what if he does? If he gets the really good line, maybe the Giants, you know, have a 500. year They could even go to the playoffs. Well, let's say they go to the playoffs, and then Eli's contract is expiring. Do you re-up Eli for another year? I mean, there's a lot of considerations. I think that leads me to, to believe that they have to, they have to find that heir apparent sooner." rather than than later. And, no question. And, and that's and a again, very fair point. That's a, that's a,
0: well, Jimmy, and that's a very fair point, point. we'll let you go on that yeah. and I appreciate the phone call. I, I don't think that's a crazy that's mindset game. No, Dave, that's but,
1: definitely an area that needs to be addressed moving forward. No question.
0: But I would also make the argument that, okay, so let's say you have a top-10 pick and there is a quarterback available – and you could say, well, we need to find Eli Manning's successor. Does that mean you should just take the quarterback for the sake of taking the quarterback? No. And you should actually believe that the guy's got potential. Bingo. So, I mean, they may look at the quarterback prospects. And, and I haven't done all my homework yet. I mean, I'm trying to focus on the remaining two yeah, games of exactly. the season and what Indianapolis poses as opposed to the prospects. But I don't think, and this is just for me following college football from the peripheral, I don't think this quarterback class, Dave, compares anywhere to the substance no. of last year's quarterback no. class. So you have to take that into consideration. Two,
1: I want to see how they perform in their bowl games and how they finish out their season because they're going to be facing a lot different competition on a bigger stage than they did during the regular season.
0: And then the other factor is there are many ways to find the successor of your quarterback. Now, I know this is not the popular feeling, but they can dig into free agency a little and explore there. That doesn't mean that you're going to find your long-term answer, but... This is an organization that found Kerry Collins on the free agent market, Dave. And, you know, he built the bridge till they got to Eli Manning. So it's very possible that they go that route as well.
1: There's going to be competition at every single position for their starting position on this roster next year. Each position group's going to go through that battle because not only one is it now the second year into the tenure of Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman, But two, now after identifying the things that you're capable of, your strengths, your weaknesses, what you need to do to improve your football team based upon the start to the season to where they are now and how they close the season, that's how you're going to be able to pick and decide whether it's going to be a free agent to fill that void or if it's going to be through the draft. So there's a lot of time still left to do that evaluation. But he's 100% correct. Yes, there's going to be an evaluation, and there's going to be competition, whether it's through free agency or through the draft, in that quarterback room,
0: bar none. Well, and a lot of it also depends, and this is what you are just touching on, It depends on also some of the other moves they make because everybody's concerned. The the Eli conversation now is focusing, Dave, a lot on, well, the amount of money he takes up in terms of cash space. Okay, Eli Manning is making good money like most veteran quarterbacks are. But if you start shedding salary elsewhere, then the strain of that contract is not the same as maybe what it looks like right now.
1: And not to mention there's all different ways that you can work to restructure, to do different things with it that still help the cap towards other positions on the team.
0: And they've already moved on from snacks, so that's an area that they're going to get a little flexibility. Sixteen million over the next two. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but if they chose to move on from Vernon, that's another potential area to create some more financial flexibility. So, you know, everybody shouldn't look at it as well. If they don't find the successor, then what's going to happen? Now you're going to tie up too much money in the quarterback, but you could also free up yes. money with other positions, which is what I think they've started to do based on some of the moves they made at the trade deadline. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the telephone number. Let's head back to the phone lines. we got Scott in New Mexico. Scott, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? all all right, Scott. Good. What's on your mind?
3: Uh, I, I wanted to just mirror the first caller and wish both of you uh, happy holidays Same as well. to Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I had a question for Dave uh, that I was curious about on the offensive line. I noticed that a lot of the uh, runs that Saquon Barkley is making is sort of like inside or or they seal a block and he, he cuts outside. But I haven't seen uh, sort of the Green Bay sweeps. I haven't seen the guards pulling. And I was wondering if there was a reason for that, uh, at least in all the games I've been watching. There's very few where either Jamon Brown or Will Hernandez pulls from their position and sort of creates an an edge. And I I was wondering, because of Saquon Barkley's speed, uh, wouldn't that be advantageous for the Giants to do?
1: Well, I mean, it depends on what type of game and what type of team that you're playing on the defensive side of the ball, whether you're trying to work the perimeter more to open up than the inside running game, or what you're trying to do off of what type of structure that you're running, To get play action. So if you're going two tight ends, you can't pull outside of that because you're just expanding and there's no way to edge the defense with two tight ends. But if you motion and there's certain ways that you can edge a defense where you can pull, more importantly, where it's easier to get a tackle to the outside of the perimeter because things happen so fast compared to a guard. So there's a lot of different ways scheme-wise, but one of the things that you have to realize when you want to do all that pulling to the perimeter, when you have to do that stuff – There's got to be continuity amongst the offensive line that there is a pin. It's basically like we used to say, a, a grenade, pin and pull. There's the guy who pins to stop the penetration to edge the defense, and then there's the puller. When you're having different pieces and you're bringing in different tight ends or however you're running with your offensive line, if you don't have that continuity, you're getting penetration at the pinpoint and that play is breaking down. So there's all different ways to go about it, and that's something that you're going to see to continue to expand, to work the edges and work the perimeter. But you know when you are building that new continuity with an offensive line and when it's through the way – it's much easier to get man-on-man when you're running zone schemes and then trying to work right. off of that.
3: Okay. Uh, a question I have, um, uh, sort of uh, similar to the other caller's uh, question, uh, I don't know if it's even uh, that answerable. Uh, if the Giants should lose the last two games, I hope they don't, but if they do, their record obviously will be 5-11. and 11. And it won't be markedly different than the three and thirteen season. However, there's been great improvement from year from the sixteen from the seventeen season to the eighteen season. Uh, That being said, there are about at least uh, as I'm looking at at least six or or seven players. Uh, they're going to have to fill the void uh, in different positions with. And I was wondering if it's easier to do it through uh, free agency uh, or acquiring plays than it is through the draft because draft requires players have a learning curve, and it takes them a little bit longer. And in order for the Giants to be competitive, really competitive next year, is it easier to acquire players than it is through the draft? And I was just curious what your opinions were on that.
1: I, I, uh, I'm going to have to say to you that there's no guarantee that there should be a learning curve when it comes to a college player because you're scouting those players not only because of their athletic ability but what their strengths are that they can bring to the scheme that you run. What round pick was I? I was a fifth-round pick. (laughs) Was there a big transition? Was there a reason why I was able to be a starter rookie year? Yeah. I ran a pro-style offense for five years under Ron Turner to where I ran the same thing at the University of Illinois to where I didn't have to learn a whole new offense. I switched around the terminology. And that's all I had to do, and that was one of the reasons why I started my rookie year. So to sit here and say that, you can't say that about everybody. It's based upon what player you pick, what scheme he's coming from, and what you're going to do to implement him into your team. That doesn't matter whether it's a free agent or whether it's through the draft. It's based upon where you're putting that player and what you're asking him to do.
0: Right.
3: All right, well, I appreciate the insight, guys. Thanks, Scott. Hi,
0: Scott. Look at the Colts, for example. They drafted Quentin Elson, Braden Smith, Darius Leonard as their top three picks, and all those guys are now starters year one. And you know, I think probably Leonard coming out of South Carolina State wasn't necessarily a guy that everybody thought was going to have such an immediate impact, but the system fits his strengths. Exactly. They played into his strengths very well. The two offensive linemen have had opportunities, and the rest is history. Personally, if we get back to the... Angle of the conversation, and appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in with respect to finances. Ideally, you always want to find those impact players, Dave, through the draft. Much more so than free agency because you know you're going to be on a rookie pay scale and you're not necessarily going to have to make such an indentation into the salary cap. But I think all good teams, if you go to the playoff contenders, they always find those under-the-radar free agent additions that ultimately bring them over the top. I mean, look at the Giants, for example, this year. Dave Gettleman turned to a number of players that he had familiarity with yes. in Carolina. Russell Shepard's probably one of those under-the-radar great additions. I mean, look at what he's done on special teams. He he's saw him all those years receiver, in, when he, in Tampa right?
1: Bay when he was on the Carolina t- staff. Absolutely. So
0: you need I, a guy like Russell
1: Shepard, when I w- was out calling games and called Tampa games, he was one of the first guys I remembered because of his play on special teams.
0: So those guys, there's nothing wrong with relying on free agency. What you don't want to have to do every offseason is what the Giants did a few years ago, Dave, where they had to bring in Janoris Jenkins, Olivier Vernon, and Damon And that's because the Harris. draft picks didn't turn out, and then you have to spend that money through free agency because you're not
1: building from the inside out. Same thing. Yep. Think about in 2007 and 11, our two Super Bowls. Who are our safeties? R.W. McCorder and Dion Grant. They weren't high name guys. They weren't guys that were perennial pro bowlers, but they were tough, hardworking, and they fit our scheme perfectly. And they were veteran players. They weren't making tons of money, but they were making great money and they fit their scheme and what coach Spagnola
0: was doing perfectly. And on that subject, Michael Thomas would be another guy that I would bring up with respect to the Giants. Perfect perfect example, Safety, versatile players, special teams like Russell Shepard. You didn't have to break open the piggy bank, but a guy that's good in the locker room, good leadership, and clearly is now proving his true value with Landon Collins down and having to slide into his starting role. Those are the free agents that good teams find in addition to what they do in the draft. And those are the free agents, to get back to Scott's question, that I think you want to find next offseason in addition to who he brings in with the upcoming draft. Absolutely. Play. Great point, Lance. Let's head back to the phone lines. we got Mark in Connecticut. Mark, Mark. welcome aboard. You're on Big Blue Kickoff Mark, Live. Marco, excuse me. Marco, what's happening? It's uh, Mark in Chicago. Mark, Mark in, Chicago. in Chicago. Okay, we went from Mark in Connecticut to Marco in Connecticut to Mark in Chicago. There Mark, we go. welcome aboard. Yeah. Our hey. apologies. Hey. Yes. Uh, Merry Christmas, guys. Saint Merry Christmas. Dave, I don't know if you recall, we met over in we Detroit. We met in Detroit, Detroit. absolutely. Kansas, uh, I
4: remember we took a picture here. of you and Schmelk. I remember, my man. Yeah. So, anyway, um, I am going down to the Colts game. I just, uh, I know when you're playing at Best Life, you can meet up with uh, the pregame crew. Is there anything down in Indy that I could do to meet? Up with Schmelk or DeTino, or is is it pretty much an away game and nothing there?
0: I don't understand why you want to go out of your way to meet Schmelk at the Tino that's number one Mark but I don't think there's enough time remaining on this program to hash out those things normally I know when the guys are on the road because Jeff and I are going to be back in studio they normally do the pregame from up in the broadcast booth, so they're not necessarily going to be out like when we're at home for home games we're out on the stage round and about around the stadium it's a little bit easier to access us for road games I know they're solely um, stuck up in the boots because that's the only place
1: where you get the connection and the radio to where you can do everything exactly
0: else. and we're not gonna bore you uh, with yeah. the isdn lines and all yeah. that other good stuff but that's i don't part know of the about ra- those anyways you could bore them with <laughs> all that right stuff. well i uh, thought that's where you're going just, to just plug my thing yeah. in here let's go well what, what i would do mark though in all seriousness if you reach out to maybe john or paul on social media they may be yeah. able to give you some rationale or reason maybe where they can go to to meet up with you but as it yeah. stands right now they're normally tied up in the booth before the all game right. yeah
4: Okay, just like to say hello. That's yeah, no, awesome. um, yeah, I have yeah. been I'm probably one of your older listeners. I've been a fan since 59, and we had season tickets in our family for over 60 years. And, you know, I've been through this rodeo before where we've gone through some downturns. And I've been through several downturns where you have years like 2017 years in a row. So, you know, to people that can, you know, say, well, we should tank the last games – you know, it, to me, if you – those are people that I start to think maybe have never played competitive sports. If you want to develop a winning culture, you have to win. And Big you don't go. tank the last games of the year. And speaking as a former season ticket holder, you know, and nowadays you're spending, you know, over $1,000 to buy a seat to a game. You know, I want to see them win. I don't want Absolutely. to see them yeah. for a draft. And that's race. what you
1: deserve as a fan.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, Mark, yeah. I mean, go, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I'm in agreement with you. Dave and I were talking about this earlier. I don't think that, even though some fans may argue that, I don't think that's anywhere near the conversation in that locker room right now with that team. Because as I mentioned, if you look at the makeup of this roster, you talk about a lot of young guys and a number of free agents that are going to be testing the market that don't have the luxury to say, you know what, we'll hang up the jersey for the final two games We'll just go yeah. through the motions. So not, not I not think mention, it's a yeah.
1: concern. Not to mention, to think about this. How would it feel to end the season just to tank the game up against the Cowboys and then to have to hear from Cowboys fans for the rest of the year? That would be the worst thing ever. That's what nothing yeah. you do, and that's something you don't do as a Giant and a Giants fan.
4: Yeah, I agree. And to me, you know, I know uh, John Mara said that he wanted the team to be good. And I think Paul said earlier before the season that good would be 9-7. and seven. Well, you know, we've been in a lot of close games, and maybe if a couple of ref calls had gone one way, and a guy hadn't made his career-long field goal, we'd be seven and seven. So I think we're a lot closer than maybe what people think. And I, again, we need to promote the winning culture, which I think is what Shermer is doing. But David, I had a couple of offensive line questions for you, more of the nuts and bolts. You know, over when you when can you explain to me when you hear the signals that Eli does when he goes up to the line? Yeah, you know, what you know, and they talk about calling out blocking schemes and so forth. Can you sort of run through maybe what the sequence is? And you don't have to use the terminology that they're using today, but maybe when you played, you know, what is what does all that mean? I know they're, you know, he's looking at where everyone is, and the linemen yeah. are, pulling, you know, calling out the mic and so yeah. forth. Can you sort of go through that and what it all means? So basically,
1: when you come up, and whether it's the center or the quarterback identifying 52s the mic, Basically what you're doing is you're identifying for the offense and for the offensive line the middle of the defense of where you feel the strength and the weakness is. The strengths, the strong side, the weak side are. It doesn't necessarily always have to be the middle linebacker based upon where the safety could be or where they've adjusted their defense, but you're doing that so that you know as an offense, if it's in a pass protection, okay, he's the mic. Now everybody knows who's responsible for the mic, Sam, Will, and and then you get your protections off of that. So then what you have, mic call, mic call. Okay, now you go through your progression of what the run play is or what the pass play is, so that you're going to make a play call or a, a something at the line of scrimmage that's going to indicate, okay, we're either slide sliding protection here, the offensive line is responsible for whoever, or you're running a, a specific scheme out of a zone running play. Those are the types of things that you hear at the line of scrimmage where you hear Lucky, Ringo, all those. Those are all terminology that are just, once again, reaffirming what you're doing as a group and identifying it to the offense. Those things change. You switch them each and every week. You change them. You try to come up with stuff that's creative. Um, you know, like what did I used to say? Um, Bruce, Bruce, you know that we used to be a check? Because what was Bruce? Bruce is the boss. Bosses, you pull Mm -hmm. the outside guard or tackle, (laughs) you seal. So then, once people start picking up on that, you always have to change that terminology. And that's something you do. I know with the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, each and every week they change the hand signals so that that it's not the same thing, so that that defense doesn't get that pre snap recognition of what you're doing and identify
0: it. So it triggers something that they may have caught on film the previous week. And a lot of times
1: you do that. There's times you're making all those calls and it's smoke and mirrors. You're just making that stuff to make the think to yeah. make the defense. Even if it's just for that split second to think and not react. That's where you get those double teams going. That's where you get things going until it backfires against you. <laughs> and that happened to Rich and I. We're running wow. a protection. We're down in the in the red zone. We're like, all right, me and him make a run call. We're like, okay, the defensive lineman's going to submarine. We'll be able to dig him out. Easy play action. We make the call. We check to the run. Tackle for a two-yard loss. Penetration <laughs> in the
0: backfield. We outsmarted ourselves. There you on go. That You one. see, the game of chess got away from yeah. you there on that one. What okay.
4: else you got for us? Uh, so uh, so yeah. So the when Eli goes up there and he's counting up, does that sort of set the sequence of how things happen? Does yeah. he see something there that says, okay, we need to this kind of protection or blocking scheme or is it strictly within the lineman
1: no it it depends it can happen each and every time Sometimes the lineman can call stuff out and they're just talking to the offensive lineman to the tight end and to the running back not even to the quarterback but then if the quarterback is in the cadence and all of a sudden he sees a stem or a safety he can overrule it because he sees where the blitz is coming from
4: right okay good and one last thing on in terms of technique you know, when I see these guys that go up to the line, and, you know, when I played, if you had any movement on the line, that was, you know, illegal procedure. I see the guys waving their arms, like the center, when he's already set. And then guys will move their arms, but they don't call anything. them, but if they just twitch with their foot, it's a penalty. So is there, is there some sort of um, rules or regulations that dictate what kind of movement you can do on the line?
1: I mean, yeah, There's obviously they'll throw a flag if it's a sudden movement. Obviously, you can make signals with your hand as as long as it's not abrupt. You know, you can do stuff where you signal to the running back, like there's certain times in a protection you see something that you as an offensive lineman want to take care of it because it's in the A-gap and you know the running back will never be able to get there to stop a, a, a run-through. So as an offensive line, mm-hmm. you may signal to him if you're on the road because he's not going to be able to hear you. You see a lot of mm-hmm. times where the, the center, you know, you see a silent count where the center's going underneath, then he's picking his head back up, and then he's going underneath. The problem with that is that when the clock starts going down and he goes to put his head underneath, a lot of defenses stem. So, when he goes to pick his head mm-hmm. back up, it's a different look than what it was initially when he had his head down. Then you're trying All to right. change the protection. The clock's and running down. Time to do then that. you get yeah. a delay of game. So, that's where you see the guards now. The center always has his up, highs up because he's taking care of the protection. And the guard's looking back at the quarterback to see when he's ready. Right. And then, once the quarterback signals, then the guard turns back around and taps the center. And that's what gets the, the snap count going as well. That's why communication yep. is okay. so key. Yeah, oh, it's not a cliche, thank but there's you little we're going to talk that, about although, this for like thank a thank for that level hour. of
4: Detail in David. Now we know why offensive linemen, other than the quarterback, are the smartest guys on the field.
1: That's why we love guys from Chicago too, Mark. <laughs> They're
4: smart
0: as well. <laughs> Hi, All Mark, the best. Guys, Merry the Christmas. Vocal. Thanks so much for weighing in. Yeah, that's two connections there to Dave. Yeah, smart hometown and the hometown yeah. Illinois. How about that?
1: It was great. I got to meet him in um, in Detroit. He came up when well, nice. we had the joint practices during Back training, training camp. camp. Great Giants
0: fan. Awesome. Very cool. Well, clearly he is now maybe in position to meet some of the other members of our group come Indianapolis. Uh, Paul DeTito never turns down an opportunity to gel with fans, so I can assure you that. If he can find a way, he will certainly take advantage of that. Let's head back to the Lions. Len is in Columbia, Maryland. Len, welcome aboard. What do you got for us?
4: Hey,
5: how you doing, guys? Great, Len. How's everything? Good. Well, I'm I'm hanging in there. I I, got to tell you, that, that game on Sunday took a lot out of me. Me too. Ah, boy.
0: Physically and mentally, especially since yep. you had to sit through Absolutely. the rain. Yeah.
5: Absolutely. You know, um, I, I wish I'd seen a little more passion, a little more emotion. Tennessee's good. Let's not take it away from them. They're good. They were better than us. I just wish I'd seen a little more emotion and a little more passion. You know, you're both of you guys, on your introductions, I was, you know, I jumped off all jumped off off the couch and said, "Put me in, Coach. You were you were right on. I mean, oh, those yeah. were good, good opening presentations. Um, you wonder sometimes whether the players hear it that way. And I, from my perspective, I didn't see that on Sunday. Again, credit to Tennessee. Good football team. Good football team." But we got we got rearranged on Sunday. I mean, Absolutely. they pushed us around on both sides. They like got punched in the mouth, around. and we
1: did You know, you about move into it.
5: you move into a house, you put the furniture down, and somebody says, you know, the couch is in in the right place. Let's move it somewhere else.
0: Yeah. You well, know, they, 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 won they won in were, the trenches. They were as, they were pushing us
5: around, as yeah. Mike
1: Tyson said. Everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth,
5: and they took it. <laughs> it's go, true. Mike and that's hey, listen, why this Darius, game coming Darius up against the Colts? South Carolina State, yeah, forty five years ago. Our fourth-round pick was a guy from South Carolina State. Anybody remember who that was?
1: I wasn't even born, Len.
5: <laughs> Harry Carson. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Harry Carson, 1974, fourth-round draft choice, South Carolina State. How'd that work out?
0: <laughs> well, if, if he's Pretty the next Harry player. Carson, the Colts are not going no, to complain. No, not tell at you that. all. Uh, yeah. yeah.
5: yeah. You know, um... I, I, I it's it's beginning to sound like I'm not going to I'm not going to see Beckham. On, we're not going to see Beckham on Sunday, but I was kind of looking forward to that, you know, kind of a fast track indoors. Yep. You don't get a chance to see these guys play indoors that much and uh, you know, you 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 start thinking, man, Beckham's going to run wild in that situation. Ho- hopefully but, hey, we're not know, saying the same thing about TY hey, Hilton of, on Sunday. A couple, couple of other comments if you'll allow me here. Um it, this is just my philosophy, and I'm not suggesting anything that the Giants should do here. Um, if you draft a quarterback in the first round, you have to start that quarterback by week eight, or you've or you've wasted the pick.
1: Not necessarily. Patrick Mahomes okay. didn't start right. until week necessarily. There you go. Well, uh, I know there's Len, a lot of examples. Yeah, That's why Holmes. I said my personal
5: opinion. My personal opinion. And remember what we did with Eli. We started Eli. We were doing pretty well with Kurt Warner at quarterback. No, we, that team no, had a we winning were, record.
1: We, well, I will nope. say this. We were not doing well. I was a member of that football team in the offensive line, and we were digressing as an offense. So I completely and will show you factually in games that we were not doing that.
5: Okay, okay. I, and I'll have to take that. I mean, you were there, well, David, so I'll have, to, I'll have to accept that. But I always think back of Eli in that first season getting, getting thrown out there. And, and we saw it this year with all the but quarterbacks how, that how came did, in, and even, even Lamar Jackson. In, of, of course, the quarterback got hurt, but, how, but still, he, he got in there, and now he's, he's taking over, too. So that, and that, that how did we finish him. that We've season when so Eli holes. came in? Back yeah, if to you're going to the quarterback, you've got to play him. But, that, and, but, not, but I, I, I don't think we're going to do that anyway. Well, but, but, I think we rightly yeah. so, going to lock in with Eli. Len,
0: you you got Phillip Rivers, who was drafted behind Drew Brees, and unlike Eli, he sat for a few years. Uh, another example: Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre, so you know those two guys. Last time I checked, turned out well, and they didn't even see the field their rookie years.
5: Yeah, Lance, you're making it. So- you're making it sound like I shouldn't be a general manager, and you're probably <laughs> well, no, right. No, we just
1: disagree with
0: yeah. you.
5: No, we, <laughs> we just, we just well, have just a different wonder, perspective. There, there, there that, that's just kind of my philosophy.
0: But to say, with say the that, holds it, it that it would we've be got f- on
5: this team, if we if we draft, go ahead and draft a quarterback. We, we need to play that quarterback but, or it's a wasted pick because we've you, got too many holes.
1: You you can't yeah. say that because you don't know the performance of what's taking place everywhere else and if that player's ready. Okay. He may be okay. the future, okay. he may right. not. But yeah. at that point, yeah. if he's not ready, you're not going to throw him to the fire. Yeah. No, and, yeah. and Len,
5: here, here's well, the up. If you, uh, if Len. you draft a quarterback in the first round and he's not ready, David, you've made
0: a bad pick. Well, no, that's well. No, let, not but necessarily. Yeah. See, he, here's where I agree with Dave and once again disagree with you. And, and this yeah, is what okay. this is. This is where I think. No, no. It's it's a good conversation, but this is where I think maybe some fans miss the point of the draft. Okay. The draft when you pick a guy in the first round. And Dave Gettleman, I'll even quote him. First of all, you want to find the guy that's going to Canton. That's yep. the ultimate goal. Number two, though, you're not drafting him for 2019. Len, you're not your your vision of the guys you bring in is not get him on the field in 2019, let him flash, and let's see what happens down the it's road. It's
1: where that potential okay. hits productivity.
0: Correct. You, you're talking about you want this guy to produce for you through the remainder of the rookie contract, and then earn yeah. another rookie. You want it to be a 10-year investment for yeah. that pick. If you're just yeah. drafting a guy to get on the field in year one, then I would say you're not thinking right in picking the. Got.
5: yeah yeah but listen you guys are making great arguments and that that's why i started out by saying this was my own personal philosophy Understandable. And I, along along with that i think you can sense today after sunday's game a, li- a little frustration in where we're going and and the way it's going along we're, we're you know we we can talk about how bad the 70s were and so forth and you know previous caller who talked about ups and downs and so we're we're in historic territory for this team in terms of wins and losses. You got to go back 40 years. You, you can't even find it in the 16 game season. If we don't win another game and the totals for the last two seasons of eight, you got to go back to the 14 game season to find two in a row that produced as little as eight wins. I mean, we're in historic territory for numbers we got to win football games. I mean, this is getting—you know—I I mean, it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's almost laughable. I mean, come on, we got to get players on the field who are going to win games. I mean, I, again, I, I, you know, I looked this—I I spent about uh, 25 minutes looking back uh, records back to as far as 1950 to find two seasons that could be as bad. Be- Two seasons together, consecutive seasons, that could be as bad as this in terms of wins or losses.
0: But uh, back to the 14
5: game season, they
0: were talking late 1970s? Len, I, listen, I understand your that. frustration. I get your point. But listen, perspective's important here. And this is not a defense of this organization. But can you imagine you in the same room as a Buffalo Bills and a Cleveland Browns fan, and you telling them and complaining to them about the fact that you're now experiencing two rough back to back seasons as a fan and what they've had to go through during the course of their entire lifespan? Now, I know the Bills had four straight Super Bowl appearances, but since then, it's been a very rough go. And what about Cleveland? I mean, since Belichick left there when they tasted the postseason. So, you know, nope. it's all about perspective. Yep. I, I get yep. your frustration. I understand yep. where you're coming from. And you want your well, team to be competitive and knock on the door of the playoffs every year. Okay. But if you put the Giants next to the rest of the league, it's not as bad as you're making it out to be. That's my point. Um,
5: well, what well, uh, well. I'll come back after the season and argue that point with you, Lance. That's fine. I got Perfect. We'll be here. I'd be mean, more that, than happy to. We want to go over you. today yeah. because really we've got two more games, and and I just want to say you know go Giants, let's win these two games. I hope I get to see Odell on Sunday, but you know if we don't, that's the way it goes. But I think it's still a game that we can win if we play well. You know, let's get out there and. and 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 you know play hard and try to you know try to play well and not drop the ball and make some blocks, make some good tackles, and uh, you know hang in there with Indy. Especially I mean, we... after
1: this game up against the Tennessee Titans, that's what we need to see out of this football team to build. Not only just saying, well, they won four of the last six. What have you done for me lately? It's about how you finish. Starting with this game, with the effort. The all out intensity and making sure that when you leave the field, not only this Sunday, but next Sunday, that you better not have a regret as a football player because you know what that regret's going to do? It's going to get you off of this roster.
5: Hey, hey, David, thank you very much for saying that. I really do appreciate Absolutely. that. And give me, give me up. I promise. Just 20 more seconds. You know, um, I, 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 well, let me, let me just end up by saying, David, you know, you, you, know, you really got it right. Um, there, there are going to be a lot of changes. But I don't think there's much we can tell about these players that we don't already know now, David. Except give me a little emotion, will you please? Give me a little passion out there on the field. I mean, come on, nobody's going to do anything in the next two weeks that's going to change our mind. I mean, we've seen them, if you count preseason, we've seen them for 18 games, and we've had them all year. I mean, we know what these guys can do and what they can't do, what their strengths and weaknesses are. Just give me a little passion, give me a little emotion, and I'll be proud of you at the end of the two weeks. There you hey, go. thanks Island. for taking my call, it. guys. Appreciate go the go, call. Let's go, Giants.
0: He was talking about change, and yeah, they're clearly going to evaluate this roster come the offseason, well, Dave, and they're going to continue to make changes. But...
1: I, I always go back to this before you continue. Sure. 2003 yeah. was my rookie season, getting drafted in the fifth round. We know how that season turned out. Coach <laughs> Fossil ends up getting fired. 2004, Coach Coughlin comes in. By 2005. Won 11 games. From the 03 roster to the 05 roster, there were 13 of us left that's it. They've already well, that's overturned I was yeah. that this season in one year alone. There are going to be additions to this football team, and the one thing that you heard not only from John Mara, but from Dave Gettleman, from Pat Shermer, they're going to do whatever it takes to get this roster and this football team right and back to the championship culture. So you know that they are looking at these players. They are identifying the strengths and weaknesses and if they're going to be a part of the future. And that's why these games are so important to them, not only as them as a player, but to this organization to see what is the true character of the guys we have now and who are going to be a part of the solution and who are a part of the problem.
0: Well, you hit on exactly what I was getting yeah. to, which is I think when people start saying, well, there should be a lot more changes come the off season," keep in mind, as they mentioned, 13 players from last year are currently on the roster. So they've already turned over an entire roster, essentially. That doesn't mean that there's not still room for improvement. But you can't always, every single year, say we're going to completely get rid of the 53, bring in a new 53. Then you're never going to build continuity.
1: Not to mention, after that, when you make a point and realize that something's not working like the Giants did with Patrick Omame, they realized and identified that it wasn't going to work, that it wasn't going to move forward. They addressed it immediately. They moved on, yeah. Not only does that say it's a completely different way of going about things since they were in the past here, but not to mention, you don't think that sends ripples around the locker room that way? If that guy just signed a contract, and if he's not safe based upon how he's playing, that doesn't mean that it- – I'm safe that at all. I can all take either. anything for granted. Everybody's expendable. Everybody's, That's basically what the message is. There, there, are, there are no more scholarships yes, anymore.
0: Even a first round pick like Eric Flowers. Now, granted, Gettleman didn't draft him.
1: But the, he but got every opportunity. It didn't work out. They moved out.
0: On. Yeah. One of the most difficult things in life, not just in football, to your point, is to admit to yourself, forget yeah. the rest of the world, that you came up short on a decision or it didn't pan out the way you wanted. And, then you can and move take on the hit. from it. Yeah. Bingo. And you're willing to, as opposed to, nah, you know what, let's try to squeeze a little bit more out of him. Let's see how the season plays out. We'll deal with it after that. No. They basically said, you know what? The right side of the offensive line's not getting the job done. Instead of us waiting for the offseason, let's just get rid let's of it, it hour, now let's evaluate new Bingo. guys for the second half of the season. And if which, they can't do it, we will get somebody who will. Well, because you could look at it this way, Dave. You could have said, you know what? We'll maybe go after Jamon Brown in the offseason because he's intriguing us. Or we'll get Jamon Brown in here. We'll put him on tape and then we'll be able to determine is this guy actually worth retaining moving forward
1: and then by doing that what do you do you end that evaluation process now (laughs) excuse me instead of going through mini camps and otas and all that stuff then to address at that point and then try to figure out before training camp well who can i else bring in here as a free agent if you wouldn't identify the problem now what does it get you closer to the solution for it?
0: you're moving ahead of the process bingo that's essentially what you're doing. All right, let's try to squeeze in another phone call here as we near the end of the program. Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jose is in Orlando. Jose, welcome aboard. What do you got for us?
6: Hey, Lance. How you guys doing? Hey, David. How are you? Great. Doing well. What's on your mind? Good. Happy New Year. Happy Same New to you. Year. No, I just want to say uh, Happy New Year to you guys. Wish you guys the best. I uh, love your show. It's Appreciate been a while that. since I called. So I uh, just was listening to everyone talking about looking forward to. Us closing out the year on a positive note. Always want uh, the New York Giants to win. I'm not one of those fans that are looking for a draft pick because we're going to get the best player available regardless of position. I believe, and it's if people say quarterback, I don't honestly think that uh, a quarterback is going to be number one uh, for us to pick up that high. If we do pick tenth, I honestly don't see a quarterback, and and I agree with you, Lance. I can see us possibly trying to get a quarterback in in bridge uh, to bridge to have another quarterback. I honestly believe that Eli will be with us in 2019. Um, I think he deserves it. And uh, I know, yes, he's coming to the tail end of his career, but you know what? Um, We'll we'll take the steps moving forward. Just one thing I wanted to say, uh, Lance and and David, is that uh, I actually agree with some of the things that Lance said. And I know putting everything in perspective, how lucky we are to have four Super Bowl-winning teams, and 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 uh, us, the Buffalo Bills, and teams like Cleveland that you know have had years and years of misery. I think, uh, and not to sound like having an elitist mentality or anything like that, but us as New York Football Giants fans, we are fans of the New York Football Giants, and it's a storied franchise. And as fans, we expect winning. We expect nothing from the best from our franchise, like Mr. Marin, Mr. Tisdew. And just with that said, a lot like the New York Yankees, we expect our team to be in it. So it's hard for New York Giants fans to see uh, consistent seasons of losing. It's hard for them to swallow uh, being with so much expected. uh, Believe me, uh,
1: we're not only employees, and I'm not only a former two-time Super Bowl player for the Giants, We're fans, too. You don't think we feel the effects of it? You think doing a post-game show after the Titans game was as fun as doing the one after the Bears game? (laughs) Oh, no, it's not. It affects all of us. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from, and that's agreeable. But you have to understand that what was the process that got us to hear that we're there now, like we were just talking about, finding solutions through the draft, through free agency. And that's something that we're all going to have to see moving forward because it does start for the New York Giants from the inside out, from drafting players that are born Mm -hmm. and bled wearing the red, white, and blue. I'll never forget what it was like for me as a rookie – you know, starting games as a 21-year-old in the NFL, looking around the locker room and seeing Tiki Barber and Imani Toomer and Michael Strahan, thinking to myself, yeah. if I work hard, if I sacrifice and dedicate myself to this organization that believed in me, I could be a giant for my my entire career and for life. And those are the mm-hmm. things that you send when you do have successful drafts and you do have players that are all bought into this organization, and that's what they're getting back to right
6: now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I'll tell you one thing. I'm excited as a Giants fan. I know a lot of Giants fans don't have patience. I, on the other hand, do because I understand the process that we have. We have a lot of young players now that are coming up. Um, We might be doing some things in free agency, maybe free up some money. Who knows? But I do like the process that Gettleman is an old-school Giant. He was with us from the very beginning, and I understand that. I understand the process of what it's like. You have to build guys. And I actually called, and I spoke. Uh, to a couple of guys, uh, I don't know if it was Saul and, and Paulie, about I said, you know what, the Giants probably won't be in the playoffs, so maybe 2020, you know, or because you have to build it. I'll be happy if they're in there 2019, great, but I, you have to be realistic. We're building that offensive line, we need to build that defensive line. Honestly, if the Giants get a, a free agent quarterback it, during free agency, and, and decide that they want to build, get an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman in the draft with one and two. I won't be upset with that and because it, honestly, I don't I don't see us picking Haskins, taking him at number one uh, overall. Uh, you know, as far as ten. And,
1: and to go that, but and, and to go along with that, not only was it Ernie Acorsi who pushed for me or Jim McNally to draft me into two thousand and three draft, uh, who wrote up my draft evaluation and grade. That would be a Mister Dave Gettleman.
6: Right, and, and you know what? We just have to. I, I like Dave. I like I like his at, attitude. He he's actually molded right with Ernie. Ernie basically came up the same way. So guys need to understand that as fans that you know you we have to trust the process, and it's starting to work. I mean, people say, "Oh, Eli Manning's you know throwing this or getting sacked or whatever." You're not going to build a great offensive line. Obviously, David, you know this. You're not going to build a great offensive line in a season no. or two seasons. You have to build cohesiveness with that yeah. offensive line, understand the scheme, and, and we'll go from there. I it think defensively is somewhere where we seasons. need to go from now, and we'll see what happens, maybe get another couple of offensive linemen. But, guys, listen, I appreciate everything that you guys do. I'm uh, going to keep calling back. You guys are awesome, Lance. Really good insight. Keep doing what you do, and. And thank you so much, guys. Have a happy New Year. You as well,
0: well. Appreciate the phone call. The Colts and the Cowboys, two examples of teams that built their offensive lines through the draft. And I think what we're emphasizing is how important the draft is. And what the Giants are doing now is they're trying to make up for all of the shortcomings that came up through drafts. And we're not just talking about one or two years, Dave. We're talking about yeah. you know, a five-, six-year period where there are entire draft classes that were unproductive.
1: Think about this. In 2003, I was part of an offensive line group that was called the worst in the NFL with Rich Soybert. By 2005, think of the additions. Sean O'Hara, Chris Ney, Kareem McKenzie. It took two seasons to get there, but once we got there and we got that continuity... What do you know? You get results.
0: Yeah, and guys stay durable too, yep. which is another – your group stayed on the field, which is so important with respect to the offensive line. But it was the combination of the draft and free agents here or there. Sean O'Hara taking a chance yep. on him, bringing him in. A New Jersey guy. There you go. And him you know, clicking with the rest of the crew. Just real quickly before we close things out. Kareem McKenzie. Kareem McKenzie's guy. another guy. Yeah. Penn State. From, the time, from his days with the Jets and yep. coming over, having familiarity with the stadium Bingo. and so forth. 1964 to 1980, the Giants did not make the playoffs once every single year during that stretch. Wow. Now, they are in the midst of missing the playoffs for six out of seven years, but for those of you historical guys and gals, six out of seven compared to 1964 to 1980 without any postseason appearances, we're not even in the same conversation yet. That, if you really want that, to That's a rough stretch right there. Yes. So that's why I said, understand the frustration, understand the impatience. I think every fan can relate to that. But if you look through the archives, this is nothing compared to what the Giants (laughs) went through back in the day a few decades ago. That is going to wrap things up for us. Certainly appreciate all the tweeters as well as all the phone calls. Want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. David, always a pleasure. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. I echo his sentiments. For David Deal, I'm Lance Meadow. We'll speak to you tomorrow right here on Giants.com. Have a good one.